Yeah. I'm good to go. Sweet. This is episode, um, an episode four, I think, <laughs> officially, or three. Sure. I don't know. We are now on. Yeah, I think it's four. What are we on? Podbean? Is that what it's called? Where did I? Yeah. Jude and Connor podcast. Oh yeah, TJT. Wow, if you Google Jude and Ty podcast with no spaces, we pop up first. Along with nothing else. Oh, yeah. And Google. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is episode four. We got 20 downloads. Wow. I'm sure they're all from me and you. Whoa. Yeah. You must have downloaded it like 16 times. <laughs> I actually yeah. don't know how that works because I think I only downloaded once <laughs> to test it and then... But, hey, whatever. I didn't download it a single time, so so it, that's like legit. Oh, wow. Maybe. Nice. That's, uh, <laughs> we'll take it. We'll take it. Uh, in any case, I'm pretty happy that yeah, we'll it's pretty, pretty consistent. So yeah, Sound, sounds like there's maybe a bit more of a delay today than there was, um, over the last couple of times. So yeah. I'm, I'm noticing that on my end for sure. Cool. Your, uh, your video quality is also kind of, how dare you not that great. Go after my video quality. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I thought uh, maybe this today we would a... um, kind of introduce ourselves. I don't know if we've actually done that a little bit about like who the hell we are, and I don't know what. Not that we have an agenda, yeah, but uh, you know. Uh, so yeah, why, what why, that agenda is exactly? Why don't why don't uh, you go first? Right who, out there, who to are you? An anarchy. Um, my name is Jude Free, and I'm a. Um, Addiction researcher at the University of Guelph. I'm a PhD candidate here, and um, I mostly look at um, the effects of nicotine on adolescents um, and how those are how how nicotine's effects might be different based on stages in development, as well as how that might affect um, the susceptibility to addiction later in life. Um, so I look at long-term effects of nicotine, uh, and I dabble with other drugs as well, but um, my my main focus is nicotine, so I I also will look at um, THC and um, CBD a little bit and psilocybin um, and basically whatever uh, I'm currently interested in. Cool. And um, and how did you get to like that point? Like, why did you go into addictions? Like, what was the driving catalyst in terms of your progression to get to where you are? I guess is the question. Right, so there's a lot of things that like I started out in electrical engineering, so I I have a degree in electrical engineering, and uh, I was mostly motivated by like I really liked um, that style of problem solving, and I liked being able to build things, um, and also you know it's high paying and stuff, so I thought that was kind of a motivation at the time. But um, you know, as you progress, you you realize that um, money's not the most important thing, and also um, I had quite a few experiences with mental health uh, just with the people around me um, as well as addiction and um, that really motivated me to kind of apply those skills to more of like a um, more of a biology route uh, and try to see if I could understand those effects as well as understand what helps and, and see if I can make improvements in that area. Awesome. Awesome. So you're an engineer and now you're a PhD candidate for what, what is the field you're in? Uh, neuroscience. So I'm, I'm. My PhD is a, a 
PhD in biomedical science um, with a specialization in neuroscience. Cool. And what, what I guess, like, what is the goal after school? Like, after you've done the PhD, is that kind of you just want to be continue researching, or is there a job that you're kind of after? Yeah, so I have a few options. Um, it I, I'm not positive on which route I'll go, but either I'll go the research route um, in academia and look for a postdoc afterwards, um, or I'll go the medicine route and go for addiction medicine because I, I know that's also a big um, growing area in. Um, around the Vancouver area uh, and it, it's kind of part it's part doctor but also part kind of social worker because a lot of the, the people you work with um, especially with opioid related addictions um, tends to be sort of a mix of of you know an addiction that's like a physical problem and as well as they they generally are drawn to addiction because of more mental and, and emotional problems and so it's a uh, you know, it's, it's a part of the role of counselor and part of the role of what you can actually do pharmacologically or or um, or just improving the safety as well. Right. Makes sense. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So, I, yeah, those are kind of the, the main routes I'm looking at. Nice. Would you ever consider going into yeah. more of a formal counseling position or are you mostly interested in the science um, side of things? Um, I'm interested in both. So, yeah, I, I would definitely consider that. Um, in the role of more like psychologist or or psychiatrist maybe. Um, so like med school is a possibility for sure. Um, I'm also interested in in teaching as well, so I I, I could go down that route as well. <laughs> so basically, you'll be looking to finish school around 2050ish, and by that point, you'll have right. so much knowledge, you'll just be able to teach anything. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it'll be one of those things. Yeah, that's right. If I go into med school, that's like, it's another four years. So that's actually not terrible. Another undertaking. I guess it's just kind of like another degree, right? No, it's not bad. The reason it, yeah, the reason it takes so long is because you you need a degree. Well, you need like, generally need a degree to get into med school. Right. Um, And nowadays it's getting harder and harder. So with a PhD, it's still competitive. Right. That's crazy. You ever have you ever wondered about maybe just writing the MCATs just to see what scores you would get? Uh, I'd still like study for it. I'd have to. I, I think if I were just to write them blind, like there'd just be too many little things that I, um, not missing, but like I would have need to have reviewed. Right. Um, like the problem solving is probably fine, um, and and just like that style of question and and like, but when it comes to knowledge based ones, um. I think like I would be it's been a while since I did a lot of those chemistry ones especially like I think they have quite a bit of organic chemistry on there so I'd right. have to have to refresh myself on that for sure and is it like in programming when you go to interview for let's say like because in programming there's not really like big tests or like a, a thing that you have to uh, get into it's mostly just like those prestigious jobs like Google or Facebook or anywhere like that um, for the most part right. those guys have like interview questions and it's kind of it's almost kind of weird it's like a skill in itself is answering those types of questions and there's actual like whole companies around just tutoring people for the interview questions that Facebook or Google might have and they're very uh, similar in terms of like okay this one tests recursion this one tests whatever other principle and that kind of stuff so do you think for Mm -hmm. the MCATs there's like a specific like MCAT 
um, syntax almost that you have to like learn just to write that test? Or is it more of a conventional test where it's just kind of study and, and kind of know your topics and then hope that you can hit it? It's conventional, I think. Like, like this, as far as content goes, um, there's like it's really well known. So there are programs for uh, and that a lot of people take. Um, but it's not, yeah, like it's it's just basically like multiple choice kind of like style um, science questions. Like it's uh, not all of it is science questions. It's also like reading comprehension, I think, and stuff. Um, but it's, yeah, I, I, to be honest, like the MCAT, I think. Um, a lot of universities are, are starting to move away from it because it doesn't actually really measure all that much um, in terms of how smart you are or how able, how prepared you are. And what it really measures is how much time you've had to prepare for it, mm -hmm. um, which is usually more like a filter for who is who's able to take a summer off and not work, right? Um, to actually study most. for it or pay for a course or pay for the like the MCAT cost money too like like there's all these layers to it that I think actually make full, make it a select for people that are already kind of well off or or can afford that sort of uh, that time right and then by definition you kind of cut off a lot of possibly really good potential candidates if, if you're just focusing on those um, things that you know wealthy or or um, people that have the means can do it you're you're kind of missing out on a whole subsection of people that might be really good for the field I'm, I'm assuming yeah not only that but like just the med school process in general is is um it's set to have such high expectations in terms of grades and volunteer work and and all these areas that like the idea is to have like a person that's really well balanced but that is like exceeding in every single aspect of their life right mm -hmm. um but in order to actually get that on paper and to actually like fulfill the, that expectation you have to be a really neurotic person to to be able to to do that you know you have to have no social life practically you have to work all the time um and for a very long time for years you know you have to really plan it out and and know what to be volunteering for and what to be studying in order to get to that point so I think you you end up with people that maybe aren't actually as well balanced or mentally stable as you would like to be to be your doctor. <laughs> right. But if um, they if they go down that path though, they would have to like largely restructure how that whole med field works, right? Because it's not uncommon for a doctor to work you know tons of hours like over the perceived limit of what is normal, right? Yeah, at a hospital like when when you're doing a yeah, I, yeah. Again, like that shouldn't be either. Mm -hmm. uh, I think a large part part of that is that we're we have not enough doctors. Um, and part of that re part of the reason we don't have enough doctors is because the entry requirements are so stringent. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, mm -hmm. I was I was always like I'm of the type like I don't come from near close to a formal education that you do. Um, I did go to college for. Mm -hmm. um, I guess, yeah, a quick introduction for myself. My name is Tyler. I'm a computer programmer. Um, I've been kind of in the field for pretty much as long as you've been in school. So I kind of have the other side of of the world where it's all applied and, and kind of tradesy, um, whereas you have the more formal education and the, and the research behind it. I'm, I'm much more of a brute force kind of, of person in terms of yeah. finding problems <laughs> out and, and, and just kind of hope, <laughs> winging it and hope for the best. Um, but because of that, I find that... Um, a lot of people that come through my field, 
the the training is very different like it's very hands-on and it's 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 kind of like i said it's almost like a trade um and i would really like to see if if more education or jobs would move towards that um and kind of like give that respect to the people because for example one of the things that i had the opportunity of doing was a co-op um which was an ability to go out in the field and learn but also get paid for it um in most professions that are not mine or or trades it's it's kind of like a practicum where it's unpaid and you're and you're just kind of like a slave to whatever you're doing um, and i always thought that that would be a really interesting side of education is if it moved away from that kind of uh hard classroom study and, and all that not that there has to remove that but into a more of a applied like okay let's partner you up and have like a a long partnership mentorship program where you're actually on the job and you're actually learning way faster than taking four years of school and then having to do this and then that and then finding out maybe you don't even like the field that you chose um, mm -hmm. so i always thought that would be an interesting way of changing the education system but yeah i know in, in terms of like engineering a lot of schools will require a co-op um like a year's worth of co-op experience um but not all universities are really well connected for that but I think you're totally right that that is the best style of learning where you have um, opportunity to have the applied aspect as well. Um, and I'd like to see that in a lot of areas of university as well, because um, that's lacking in so many fields. Um, it's like if you have a degree in biology or a degree in chemistry or a degree in like you won't have any like you, you might get some applicable skills, but you won't have any idea of, of how those are applied and, and where those are applied and um, like as soon as, like I think it's just kind of expected that as soon as you enter a, a job that's related to that degree, they're basically going to have to retrain you or train you for a lot of very specific roles. Mm -hmm. And and there's, there's sort of two routes, right? Where like the university route is trying to make yourself smart enough and well-rounded enough so that you can apply yourself to all sorts of different things. And then there's the more technical route, apprenticeship style, um, which is applicable to a specific thing. Um, and you can do that one thing really, really well. So you're ready when you come out of school to do that thing. But isn't um, that like, because I agree in, in, this, in the sense where the education system is very important when it comes down to um, like teaching somebody how to learn or how to think differently or, or those critical thinking skills. Um, however, I think like when you, the whole goal is to end up in a profession where you're doing one thing really well, or for the most people, for most people, that's the goal. Mm -hmm. um, so it'd be interesting if they could move those critical thinking skills and kind of push them before or whatever, or just kind of have like a different approach to it. I think, um, instead of teaching, instead of trying to like bring out those critical thinking skills in a certain subject, there should be some kind of like principles or something where they can apply to every subject, I guess, which I, I guess in a sense is what education is, um, but I don't, some people just don't learn that way. Like I, I just cannot learn that way. And, and it took me a very long time to, to realize, oh, that's, that's how the education system kind of works. And like, it's not really like I have to, like whenever I was experiencing issues in anything, whether it's math or something, whatever, it was the applied knowledge that, well, obviously like doing the, the work and, and, but then really like understanding that it's not just going to come easy to me, right? Like I had to go and, and look things up and figure out how things worked and why they worked and get my questions answered that uh, maybe weren't uh, normally answered in um, theory or whatever. Yeah, I, I think um, both are really important. 
um, and our education systems, like the formal education system, seems to um, prefer the theory-based approach. Um, and I think it, that's um, probably historical. To so you know, you, you're able to apply yourself. You're able to change jobs regularly, or or you're able to um, apply yourself to varied aspects of different uh, fields. But I think the way it should change would be to have because uh, like even even in high school in high school it's all theory right there's not mm -hmm. a single applicable skill you come out of high school with yeah unless um, you're in a high school that that can provide those like for example some yeah. schools have mechanics and whatnot that's right so i think i think what they should what what we should do <laughs> is create a, an education system where yeah you still have the theory that's maybe that's your main bit but you also have um a particular skill that you have to come out of high school with like one like a trade type skill whether that's like computer based or um mechanically like mechanic based or yeah you know, I, I know like like when i went to school we had we did have these like dual degree or dual credit programs that were paired that were um, partnered with the college mm -hmm. where like when you came out of high school you'd already have a certification we should make that like a requirement where like everybody coming out of the system as a particular skill that even if everything were to all go to shit or they were to drop out right there, they would be able to live. Mm -hmm. I They'd be able to like support themselves. Um, and then they can support themselves while they figure out what they want to do, or they can like stay in that field and, and um, advance or just having a specific skill that like, I think a large problem right now is that people come out of high school and the well-roundedness, I'm make, you're making quote fingers, um, essentially has a bunch of people that, or creates a bunch of people that don't feel competent in anything in particular. Right. And because of that, they don't feel confident. And because of that, they're scared to apply themselves to anything. Mm -hmm. Or they have no idea what to even start applying themselves to. And, and then they go and spend a bunch of money in college or, or and get into a field where they, where they don't actually know, which is actually a follow-up question to what you had suggested is if you force somebody into saying, okay, you guys, you're this young, you're X amount of years old, and you have to pick a field that, you know, certain people are less susceptible to change than others. So it could be even daunting to them to be like, hey, you guys have to pick something and essentially like live with it, right? Um, and, mm -hmm. and that to me would be the weakness of that type of education system however i do think that is a very good step in terms of like figuring that out and i think a way to counter that would be even earlier you kind of just uh, expose them to everything so let's say if you're doing half your day in theory half your day should just be like here are some of the biggest industries that we see coming into the next x amount of years right and then you spend your resources trying to get people that are in that field in and kind of do like that career fair and then you mm -hmm. just expose them to everything and then as they get older and through the grades like let's say it starts in grade five or whatever and you get to like grade 10 that's when you start closing that gap and being okay based on your few years of information what are you more likely to pick right it's less of a dream where it's like i want to grow up to be a fireman versus like oh I've, I've seen what a fireman does i've seen all these kind of things i've seen this i'm drawn towards this type of work or whatever right so i think like maybe mm -hmm. having more career counseling at a younger age would help um, extremely lost in having in picking a decision that you're more likely to not regret or like picking a decision or not or, or removing the anxiety b b behind picking that 
initial decision, right? Um, right. But I, I, I would love to see that kind of change because that would also help like people getting a job where they just kind of become like lifers, right? Again, the quote fingers, whatever, right? Where mm-hmm. you kind of get into a job and like you said, you don't have that confidence to go back to school or figure out what you really want to do. And so you just kind of accept that lesser potential that you may be living up to, right? Because I know tons of people that um, ha- are really good in certain areas, but they just they just don't know how to apply apply themselves and they don't know, they don't want to take that step because they're so comfortable in having society already tell them what they're, kind of going to do already right mm-hmm. yeah i guess like i was kind of going down the route of like if you come out with mastery of something you're going to have a kind of confidence to to branch from um but i see that as i i see your point as well with with not like finding that mastery a comfort and being afraid to branch out from right that. because if i was in if i was younger and i was told okay you have to pick something and then you're going to spend the next few years mastering that. Well, okay, what happens if you get six months in and then all of a sudden you just cannot stand it? Or you learn, like there, there would have to be a way for them to diverge and to go into another thing, which mm-hmm. then brings back the whole issue of, okay, now you're a jack of all trades, master of none, which again, might not be a terrible idea either, right? It, it's still better to have that experience because now like it, it's equally ex- like awesome to figure out what you like, but it's also really important to figure out what you don't like. Because if you that that also helps in making future decisions, right? You know that you don't want to work on computers. Okay, that's good. At least you didn't spend a bunch of time going to school for computers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, right. But I think also too, like, I don't know. It's interesting because um, in computers, kind of like the core, like like computer to go into like computer science or or programming or whatever, you're you could look at it in terms of like not going into computers, but in terms of going into problem solving, like that's kind of what the core competency is of a programmer, at least in, in the, the non theory programming that I do. So like mine is more of a trades applied where I'm building stuff for, um, the public or whatever, like building e-commerce websites or services, etc. Um, and the core thing that I have to be good at is problem solving or figuring out how to think on my own. And so I think mm-hmm. it would be interesting if you, could like deduct core competencies of a lot of different jobs right like for programming it could be um, the ability to problem solve or or think on your own for something else it might be okay do you like working um, you know with your hands and like building stuff from scratch like that like that would be an interesting way of doing that because then you could you wouldn't have to pick a specific trade you could pick a specific thing that you really enjoy doing and then you could look and maybe have a counselor that that um, filters those potential jobs that way right kind of like an aptitude test but except a more serious version where they actually do something with the results instead of just saying okay you mm. should be a nurse and that's it like it's that, that would be pretty cool yeah or maybe like a like a series of apprenticeships in the summer yeah like every summer you do an, an apprenticeship maybe starting in like grade eight or something mm-hmm. and i think you should get paid for him um yeah exactly of like a paid apprenticeship where so your summer is you like are automatically given a particular like a, it, it doesn't have to pay a lot but like you know it doesn't even have to be minimum wage just something to um put money in the pockets of a student mm-hmm. like a high school student um while also giving them training in a specific skill that they can either either carry on 
further, or they can try something new, maybe. Mm-hmm. I always thought I was really drawn so, to um, like I wish I had more opportunities to job shadow certain things where, where it's like mm-hmm. you're not even like getting paid or you're not really even working you're just kind of seeing what they do and I think um, at least in the a few companies that I've worked at they have a requirement for themselves to accept a certain amount of people um, per year or whatever to have jo- come job shadow them right because it kind of helps people get into that industry I think it would be really cool to have most professions almost make that a requirement where it's like okay you have Mm -hmm. a business or you're in a certain trade you must get x amount of job shadow hours per year and that would give them the incentive to go out to colleges and whatnot and be like hey you know come job shadow me for a month and then let's say over the course of a summer you you had to get four as as a student you'd have to get four job shadow experiences and then Mm -hmm, the mm -hmm. businesses were on side of that too so you could go have accountants or or any trade essentially where they have to bring somebody on and just have them watch um obviously that gets a bit more it's not as simple as that because you got liability and all that other stuff but it would be an interesting Mm -hmm. thing where it's a very quick thing you're not expected to do any outcome um and you're not being paid for something that maybe you just can't do like maybe they just can't afford it but you're also getting kind of like hands-on or second-hand experience just watching what is being done Right. Yeah, I, I know like our school did provide job shadowing opportunities, um, but nobody did it. You know, like it mm-hmm. that wasn't required. Yeah, we had um, to I think do it needs like, to be a requirement. Yeah, like we did it like we had to do like one hour of job shadow or whatever, but most people would just be like, okay, dad, can I just come sit in your car at like yeah. time or whatever? And it's like, and I guess. Yeah, I guess, well, that's yeah. the other thing is like you had to like for at my school you basically had to go to like find a counselor make an appointment ask them be like hey this is something i'm interested in could you find could you help me find a job shadowing opportunity and they basically wouldn't because it like they like they don't really have the time to be searching for mm-hmm. so and, I, like and... it needs to be like a systemic thing like part of the system you know yeah um yeah and and where like there are shadows and you just sign up for them yeah, and and that would be and you and you kind of have to like and and that being yeah, said, yeah. like I'm just kind of thinking right now. Okay, is this like I'm saying this is for the kids or whatever? But like I'm not a kid anymore, so like how how like actual like would this yeah. actually work or or would I just have zero interest? Like because because as a kid, you, there is a um, you, you should be able to enjoy like you shouldn't have to be working when you're like eight years old or like like having to do requirements. Like you should be able to enjoy your summer. But I do think that at a certain point like grade 10 or, or even like kind of those upper grades where you're kind of supposed to mm-hmm. be getting prepared for your next steps like because because pretty much after high school you're what 17 18 sometimes and it's just like you're yeah. legally classified as an adult and all of a sudden you you have to go and f- like maybe you have to live on your own and it's like okay well now i have to get a job like there's so many things that you're unprepared for and that are trial by fire and mm-hmm. as a result of that obviously a lot of people make tons of terrible mistakes when it comes to especially finances usually is where it is um and it's almost like Mm -hmm. it's cruel how much credit card companies and and banks whatever take advantage of how naive people are where it's just like okay like you can give them free money but you can also charge them an outrageous amount for using that money and then school doesn't provide them any knowledge on what to do or budgeting or any of that and so i think yeah yeah student student lines of credit are like just robbery basically <laughs> yeah any kind of credit when you don't know what credit is like there's some mm-hmm. people i know that have credit cards and they're like 25 and they don't know what like they don't know the implications of having that and like it's it, the uh, and 
kind of going on a tangent because I hate how finances are not taught in school. <laughs> um, but like, if you ever look at the bottom of a credit card statement, it'll tell you exactly how long it'll take off, how long it'll take to pay off the debt in like years. And if you mm-hmm. have like a thousand bucks of like credit card or whatever, and you're making the minimum payments, it's usually something like 27 years or something like that to pay it off. And it's just yeah. like, that's yeah. terrifying. Like, yeah. It's, um, have you ever paid a minimum before? When I, like the minimum amount? yeah, when I first kind of like moved out and kind of did all that kind of stuff, um, and learning how this stuff worked, I, um, would mm-hmm. make my payments or whatever. Cause normally what would happen is when I first got my credit card, I would only ever spend, like I treated it like a visa card or a, a debit card, right? Where it's like, I have a thousand dollars in my checking account, yeah, yeah. which means I can spend a thousand dollars credit or whatever. Right. And so any yeah. purchase that I had to make, I would make on my visa and then I would just transfer money in right away. Um, and there was only like once or twice right. where the <clears throat> balance actually carried over. Like I paid the minimum, but I didn't understand what that was. And then all of a sudden the next statement I got where he'd applied the interest and I was like, whoa, like this is, this is not <laughs> ideal. Like, and so pretty much every time yeah. after that, it's been a zeroed out balance, uh, zero out account statement. So you don't have to pay off the entire balance every month. You just have to pay off your entire statement because then you get no, like, yeah. So if I, if I spend like $3,000 today um, and then in a month, my statement will be $3,000, no matter if I spend $3,500 in 15 days from now or whatever, right? You don't have to pay off all of that. You just have to pay off the, whatever your statement is because it's a rolling 30 day total or whatever. Yeah. yeah, Right. Um, but yeah. So ever since like that first rule, I kind of realized it was like, first of all, if you have a huge like payment usually to credit cards it was like what is it 19 20% there's mm-hmm. usually better ways like like if you have this this is a tip for anybody who's listening um you can usually go to the bank and get a loan for like a very small a very smaller percentage of interest than your credit card payment is so like a bank might charge you 7% but that's still you're still saving 13% mm-hmm. on on that right so um, I did that like once, I think when I was just like, Hey, I had to make a huge purchase. So I did that. And then I kind of used a smaller, um, right. Inner interest thing to make that payment. And then all of a sudden it just kind of snowballs and then you're, you're back to back to even sort of thing. Right. Yeah. That's a great tip using, using a lower interest loan just to pay off the, the higher interest loan. <laughs> yeah. And even if you have like a parent or something where you can just be like, Hey, can you lend me a thousand bucks? Yeah, and give you course. 1% interest on that. Right. Like they're making money. You're not losing mm-hmm. tons of money, um, and I mean, not everybody's in that position. And, and actually, I would I would try to avoid that because you don't want to be relying on that fallback, right? Like I'm trying to be as very independent mm-hmm. as possible because it's very easy to get into a habit where you you have that. Okay, I only have thirteen hundred dollars my name, but I can just go and ask my parents for money if shit hits the fan, right? So you're, mm-hmm. you're kind of always in that fallback. But if that's not there, then you're kind of screwed when that's not available um so I, yeah there's a book on that called millionaire next door that i read a few years ago and it kind of went into that whole thing how parents um are kind of like really screwing up their kids when they do too much for them like when they pay for something or if they ever give like a down payment on a house or they do something like that it really sets that uh kid how no matter how old they are up for failure because they're reinforcing that the kid doesn't really have to get there on their own. 
um, and and so it, it goes more into like the stats of like how it works whatnot obviously it's not a perfect world I'm not saying don't accept birthday cash or whatever right mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. book says that like the book says even giving birthday money or whatever it's just like shouldn't be a thing because you're reinforcing that they like some kids just expect that you know it's like oh it's my birthday it's like okay now I'm gonna get a couple hundred bucks it's like okay well, yeah but it's reinforcing the idea that you you get something for nothing it's just like creating entitlement yeah exactly and that that uh, in my opinion is a huge problem of today's society mm-hmm. um, just in general it's a whole other tangent we go into but, but yeah yeah no I I uh like pretty soon after I got my first job like that's I kind of like fell in love with that whole like world of like finances in terms of like how budgeting works and how um how money in general works and just like in terms of strategies of paying it down and the more I learned the more it was extremely scary to figure out how much people didn't know like including my parents and like their parents and just people who you think at that age when you're 15 or 16 you think that they have stuff figured out and then when you realize that like they're just the same as you except maybe they didn't read that book or maybe they didn't figure this thing out it's like holy crap like nobody really knows like there's a lot of people out there that don't have good financial habits and it's extremely scary when when uh the more you find out into it so it's, it's a very interesting field in my opinion yeah almost everybody just lives within their means right they they live exactly paycheck to paycheck which is <laughs> i mean that's why coronavirus is such a big deal because <laughs> nobody knows how nobody has like extra saved up yeah um, and that's that's always something that i just like on or sorry go ahead oh i was just gonna say that's something that i've tried to shoot for like that's kind of like in every single finance book that you read whether it's you know wealthy barber for example is a good one if, if someone's listening they want to kind of get into this world or whatever um but that's the main thing is it, it it's like pretty easy you live you make less or you you live off less than you make and then you yeah. make money but like you said, so many people and, and, and people that make $250,000 a year, doctors, um, that book Millionaire Next Door goes into that as well. And it's kind of just like if you make $45,000, but you save $5,000 a year, you're well, you're more wealthy than somebody who makes $250,000 and spends 251000 right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in fact, if you have those bad habits that they talk about, um, you're more likely to like more money just adds to the fire right so you're a doctor you make two hundred fifty thousand dollars okay well the bank's gonna look at you and be like okay well we can approve you for a one and a half million dollar home okay but that mortgage is gonna be huge right whereas if you make fifty thousand dollars the bank's not gonna approve you for very much so you're you don't have as much power to burn yourself right so more money can help a lot but it can also just really screw you if you don't have those good habits or systems in place to to take care of that money right little bit of a rant there I guess that's good um yeah no I totally agree um creating those healthy habits has to like start young too Mm -hmm. um yeah I guess like what what the solution would be as a parent if you have a lot of resources (laughs) um rather than just like giving your kids money give them means to make money themselves so like you can make investments and like for them in in a way Mm -hmm. um and you know, like a, I was just thinking the other day, um, or yesterday actually, um, Catherine, my girlfriend, and I, we we went to um, get some yarn from this yarn place because uh, she wants to knit me a scarf, awesome. and the yarn, like, 
got this like baby alpaca wool yarn. It's like 30 bucks for a little thing of yarn. I was like, damn, you know what? This would be like a great job for like a little kid. You know, you like get them an alpaca. They can learn to take care of an alpaca. They can, you can like invest in them in the stuff that is required for like spinning alpaca wool. And then like teach them to like make a little alpaca yarn business. <laughs> I, I think that's a great idea. However, you kind of just explained what child labor is in like tons of developing countries. <laughs> no, yeah, but no, yeah, but, but the like, you're just providing a means for them to make money for themselves. Like you're not taking any of the money. You're not making any profit. You're going in the hole for your kid and they're getting a skill and like they don't have to do it <laughs> i think i think that's they're, great, not, they're uh, not using it to pay for their food and shelter they're literally just developing a skill and you're providing them the means to do it right this, I, I, this is just a random thought i had i don't know i'm just saying like this is an example of like it's like a lemonade stand right exactly you provide all the lemons and the um but you you give them that skill of selling to people or to or, or of making something yeah i I agree 100 percent um and i think it kind of goes kind of like the step i think a lot of people miss out too is is teaching your kids the value of a dollar sort of thing right like like Mm -hmm. you know if you if you're of a very wealthy family or whatever um see this is where it would be really difficult because as a as a parent like especially if you're if you're self-made like generally a lot of the the reasons that people work hard you'll hear is because oh i want to provide for my family i want to do this this and this and this but they're mm-hmm. actually kind of sewering themselves because they don't, that's how you get a lot of those kids who just like, okay, well they have like a $200,000 boat that they can, like they don't have to work over the summer because you know, their parents work for them or they have all of these things that um, they didn't work for, but they can enjoy. And that kind of, like you said, it sets them up for that entitlement because they don't have to work for it. Right now at the same time, there's that, there has to be like that dichotomy where it's like, you're not just going to work a bunch and not buy like cool stuff when you can. And it would also just be kind of a dick move if you just held that stuff away from your kids too, right? Like if you, if I had a sick boat, I might be like, yeah, you didn't afford this, so you can't come on it. It's just like, you know, that, how does that work? <laughs> um, but I know that there are yeah. like successful people out there that have taught their kids the proper way of doing that, right? And I think it just kind of comes down yeah, to like what you absolutely. said, it, it teaches them the value of dollar and like hard work. It's like, you know, you don't, you don't just get an allowance for doing nothing, right? Or you, or you don't get an allowance at all. Be, um, or maybe you do until a certain age, and then you're kind of expected to go into the workforce. And and maybe you don't set them up with a cushy job right away, right? Like in my opinion, I think everybody should work at fast food for like at least a week in their life because it is terrible. Yeah. But it teaches you mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like hard work. It teaches you responsibility, and it really shows you like how how much you don't want to be working in fast food in like 10 years. <laughs> yeah. And teaches you how to like take shit from people too. Yeah. And, not, and like yeah. keep your temper and, um, customer service in general, like humility. And, yeah. Like yeah. Any job in customer service yeah, totally. where you, where you basically just get shit on for like however long you're in customer service and you just have to, like you said, eat that shit yeah. for a little bit. Um, that to me is invaluable because it really shows you, you know, kind of like how to interact and just like different types of people. And then maybe, maybe it'll make the person less spoiled. I'm sure there, it would never be perfect, but it's definitely not. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think it's, it's way better than like going, getting your school paid for, and then all of a sudden like never having worked ever. And then, then you're in the, the workforce 
and like you're just kind of like this person who's just like never had to do anything until like now and it's just been like 25 mm-hmm. years mm-hmm. of just entitlement and then it's those i find the the most difficult people to work with um most irrational right. i guess is the word yeah and, and it, it creates an atmosphere of like quitting too or, or where people just like they get overwhelmed and then they quit yes um, exactly because they've they've never had to work hard, mm-hmm. and again, that's where that fallback comes into place, right? Where if mom and dad have all this money, I I can go and not care about this job. I can go and just do it to make them happy, and if I lose it, okay, well that's fine. Like we still have a ton of money in the bank or whatever, right? But that's not the type of person that I want to raise. It's kind of like no, no, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna provide. Like I will provide for you, obviously, and and do all these things, and we'll have nice stuff as well. But you you have to understand that. Like it didn't just come to us, right? It didn't just appear overnight, right? Like, and and I don't know. I I really like the way that I was raised in terms of like um, hard work and that kind of stuff. Like, I, nothing was really given to me. Like, I'm sure that a lot of things were given to me as a kid and whatnot that a lot of other kids didn't have. So I'm very fortunate mm-hmm. in that respect. But at the same time, I kind of when I got my first job, I was like, okay, I want to be really independent. Like, I don't want to like. And I was like, oh man, this is really hard to make money. Like at Wendy's, making seven dollars fifty cents an hour. I was like, mm-hmm. damn. So then all of a sudden that kind of was just like, holy, to afford this, like that would have had to been, you know, Wendy's mm-hmm. hours would be like thousands, but it's really not that bad, <laughs> you know, once you get out of that place. But so I think mm-hmm. like that's like the, the way to do it is just like give them, show them the bottom and be like, this is mm-hmm. where you have to work up from, right? Like this is the, like, yeah. I always found it interesting that Warren Buffett is kind of like giving 99.9% of like his wealth away and like none to his kids basically, which... Like mm-hmm. Personally, I would be like... Same with Bill Gates. Yeah, exactly. He's committed so much. You know, as this kid, I'd be like, oh my God. But hopefully you just like learn as much as you can, right? And it probably makes a lot of other things more memorable too. Yeah, um, that's right. More valuable. The experience and, and the the name itself is even more valuable than the yeah, money really. Definitely. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I actually just, I think the idea of an allowance. Did you have an allowance growing up? not really like the the i might have had one for me like a couple weeks or something but like nothing yeah like i had i have three brothers so it it was pretty difficult to like do that for everybody um so usually mm-hmm. what would mm-hmm. come down is like um well if we did something maybe we got some cash for it maybe like chances are we didn't but like maybe we would ask or something um and then the biggest thing was we just got like some money for grades sort of thing so it's mm-hmm. like okay if you got mm-hmm. a then you got like five dollars an a or whatever um, being a terrible student, <laughs> I got paid like a very seldom. But <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't like the idea of paying for grades. I think it, like it. Well, for one, like it's too long term for a kid to be like, I'm gonna do really well this whole year. Yeah. <laughs> to get that five bucks, yeah. like you just get rewarded for. Yeah, I don't know, and also like just like the idea of needing a reward or hard work right right um i agree with that as well like the, the a itself should be the the reward the, um, the reward mm-hmm. you know um and yeah I, I know like for me like we didn't always have allowance but when when we did i, I would get like a dollar a week right. every week I'd, if i remembered i'd be like dad my i want my <laughs> allowance and like for a while he just had this like giant sack of change <laughs> And he's like, okay, you get 10 seconds to put your hand into the sack and pull out, and whatever coin you take out is what your allowance is. <laughs> so, like, 
you have to like put your hand in and like try to find like a toonie as quickly as possible. Right. Uh, it, usually because there's like no toonies in there or loonies, like you just end up with a quarter. Right. <laughs> so, right. Like, there's a few. Uh, there's a few weeks where I would get like a quarter as my allowance. And what what um, did you do with that money? I bought candy. No, because you spent it right <laughs> away. Yeah. Because I, I, I'm kind of. I'm no, kind I, of, I might like. I'd put it in my piggy bank. Like I right. think like at one point like. Again, like this is like before, like, like under twelve. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, I saved up like twenty bucks at one point, and that was like pretty legit. My dad would also like pay us for doing um, little jobs, not right. little jobs, big jobs. <laughs> yeah. He'd get us to do like, like, like labor, um, and, and give us like a couple a bucks for like moving like forty-two by fours <laughs> up and down the property, um, yeah. which was good. I mean. <laughs> We, we had to work a lot as kids actually and, and working for my grandpa too he would pay us well because he he had more more money he'd he'd give us 20 bucks right um but it would be for a full day yeah yeah be like a full day of of tra- like he would like chainsaw down a tree and we'd have and like chop it up and we'd have to like oh, yeah. carry all the logs and all the branches before. and clean it stack everything and build trailers and stuff um so like that was good and like I, from a very young age, I was like, I don't want to do it. I don't want it. Like, I, $20 was not even worth it to me. Yeah. Even though, like, $20 was more money than I could even, like, imagine what <laughs> yeah. to do with it. I remember just being like, do it. I hate the manual, the work so bad. I don't want to be doing that. Whereas, like, my older brother, Charlie, was just like, he would go and then he'd, like, go the next day. Right. He, was, he wanted to, like, get as many $20 bills as he could. So, he, like, he always had, like, a stash of, like, hundreds of dollars. Right. Um, yeah, he he was like the only kid that had that like was able to save. Which which I again, Oz, kinda... like Oz would like my my other older, older brother would just like save to buy things. He would save for right. bigger purchases. Um, so he always had more stuff, and he always right. had like his own like identity attached to like all of his cool possessions mm-hmm. or skills or whatever. Like he like he invested in himself. Charlie was just a hoarder of money, right? And I was you know put, putting my loonies <laughs> putting my loonies in my in my football piggy bank you were playing the long game yeah or just the really long and slow no man i spent all my money on candy all of it we had a we had a candy store that was walking distance from my house well like it was a big walk like you had to walk like down to the water and um yeah i don't know probably maybe it's not actually that long as a kid it was pretty long it's like probably like 15 minutes right um but it was like a big uphill climb back um, but as soon as I had any money, I'd go down and get candy there. My next door neighbor. All about the instant gratification. That's right. And I think that's actually interesting that um, regarding that whole manual labor stuff, like that again is kind of like that job that we're talking about, where it's just like you learn that you do not want to do manual labor, right? Like yeah, if totally. you had to, if you were forced into a job where you had to do manual labor and you had to do it, you would be such a miserable person, right? Whereas, like you said, mm-hmm. Charlie probably maybe he valued the money more, but he obviously didn't. Maybe he still hated the job, but like, I don't know. <laughs> he valued the money more than what it could do. Yeah, <laughs> he just liked the money. Yeah, but um, so yeah. Funny. The the first kind of concept that, like that I kind of had of that was when I uh, would like babysit when I started babysitting because that was kind of like the the mm-hmm. very first thing that you can do as like a twelve year old kid is like go to your get your babysitter's license or whatever the hell it was called, um, which I'm. I still actually don't know the legalities behind that. Um, but in any any case, like, I did that as soon as I could. I think it was, like, 12 or 13 or something like that. 
pretty sure I was like grade six mm-hmm. or seven. <clears throat> but then I started doing that, and then um, it was like twenty bucks for like the night, which was usually like a couple hours. So that was like really good money back. Mm-hmm. Like whatever, whatever I was doing, I was sitting for a specific family, um, just like at the end of my right. neighborhood or whatever, <clears throat> and uh, that was like so. It's like every Tuesday, once a week, um, that I would be able to do this, and like I did it every single time, mm-hmm. and like I so I'd get like one twenty, I'd be like, okay, cool, and then you know I spent the first one for the first couple of weeks I did that, and I was like, man, I've been doing this for like three weeks and I got nothing, and then all of a sudden I was like, okay, well, I'm just gonna hold on to it as long as possible, right, and then all of a sudden after like four weeks you just kind of forget about it and then you're just like man i got like 80 dollars like that's that's a lot of money as like a a 12 year old Mm -hmm. kid right now i would just go and buy video games right away um and spend it and again Mm -hmm. that was just like it's instantly gone again right so now all that four weeks of work and you're back to zero and so it was just kind of like that was like the biggest kind of like lesson I, i learned was just like like sometimes it takes a long like like that's like the biggest thing for me right now is like I could buy a car, but how long is that car gonna take? Like how much time is that car? Like do I really want that car thirty thousand dollars worth? Like that's mm-hmm. how many? Like that's a long time, right? And and a lot of the purchases, yeah. Like I'm I'm definitely not very good at like I'm kind of like you said the Austin where you save up specifically for things, um, and so I'm I struggle very hard with that. Like I have really good budgeting skills and all that kind of stuff. It's just the discipline too not spend that money is is um pretty hard sometimes especially nowadays when everything is on amazon you can get it one to two days it's yeah like, i know amazon's the worst man you just like press you press the button and it's just like that's yeah, all you they need have to a do. button like a just, one-time button yeah buy right now it's like you don't buy even right have now to, yeah like you don't have to go through the checkout like yeah. it's just like bam and and it's actually even harder now too with like food like skip the dishes whatever it's like 30 bucks yeah. minimum and you can do it in five minutes. Yeah. So it's it's, it's not a like, very come to your door. Yeah. No, I've had it where I'm like I'm like I'm so hungry. I'm so, I I need to get food right now. I'm just like I better go to like skip the dishes. Then I'm like wait no like the thing is is it's not it's not faster. It's just easier. Yeah. It like I'm gonna, if I make longer. food, it's faster than like it's it's gonna take me. It's gonna take like forty minutes to get here. Might as well just make food. It'll be faster. But it's just like when you're hungry, you don't want to work. <laughs> exactly, and uh, it's actually like I'm, I was in a pretty bad position like last week or whatever. Like I was kind of just like skipped so many times or whatever, and then it got to the point where mm-hmm. I didn't even want to eat like the restaurant. Like I was just like I was like, man, I've had so much fast food, I've had so much of this. I don't even want like a nice meal. Like I just want to like, but I but I also don't want to make it either. Like it's just you just get into this position, you're just like. Oh my god! I just hate everything. Like I just want to have a milkshake. Yeah, man, dude. As a kid, as a kid, like we went out so so little that to get fast food, like still for me, is like such an exciting experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know what you mean. Where like if you make it a habit, like at a certain point, like you actually do get bored of certain. Like to get bored of a fast food place is like you're eating there way too much, and our brains are just like just have so much um just like overstimulation of those high calorie yeah. high sugar um foods and i find that i just get sick of just the entire like it's not a specific place it's just the entire entirety of fast food like it's just like i don't care if i go to wendy's or McDonald's. Yeah. it's like i just don't want yeah it's all kind of similar 
filled with yeah. MSG, whatever, right? It's just, it's just like, oh my god, just give me something that <laughs> tastes like not that, like, um, yeah. See your cat behind you, just going. MSG is fine, by the way. Yeah, I know. MSG is fine, by the way. That's a. But it and there, and there isn't really MSG in in fast food. Is there not? Oh, it's mostly Chinese. Well, food, I mean, right? some some of it, but it's in it's in the tomatoes and um, seaweed. I think yeah, it is. It is just fine. But I think it, it, it's like that one of the main thing that makes stuff taste kind of good, right? Like, isn't that sugar? <laughs> but I thought okay. So well, like it, it's like it's. Or go ahead. Well, I was gonna say there's this. Um, a uh, guy on, on YouTube, his name is Kenji Lopez. He's like the guy from Serious Eats and whatnot. And like he'll be making like a burger okay. or something and he'll be like, okay, like if you want it to taste, okay, so for example, he made ranch dressing. And so ranch dressing is like sour cream, okay. mayo and dill and all that other black pepper and whatnot. He's like, okay, well, if you want it to taste like the stuff you get in the store, you just add like a bit of MSG to it. Like that's just like the missing, that's just like the missing thing that. Oh, interesting. Okay. So I, I don't know, like I was never one of those right. people like, oh, MSG is bad or, or like, I guess I heard about that and I was just like, I don't care. I'm gonna eat it anyway. Like, <laughs> yeah, I know there's there's no evidence that it that it makes you sleepy and like all, or causes headaches or anything. Like, um, I, I don't know actually know like what the origin of that was. I think it was just a, it was just one of those things that like got onto the news or somebody like yeah. noticed it, got onto the news, and and it just like spread like that. Um, whereas like the main reason you would be not feeling well after eating Chinese is because like it's just super bad for you. Chinese food. It's like super high sh- sugar and sodium. Yeah. <laughs> and fat and, and like everything that's bad for you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just all bad basically. Um, like just a bunch of really refined carbs and, and sauces. That's why it's so good, but <laughs> you always feel like shit after Chinese. Um, but yeah, it's it's just like um, I think seaweed is like the, one of the main sources of MSG. Hmm. Um, so like the flavor of MSG is it's kind of like almost like the soy sauce or like soy kind of flavor right. you get in all sorts of stuff. But um, or like yeah, tomatoes I think um, meats will often have it in like naturally. Um, it's just like a common compound. Right. Interesting. Um, yeah, actually, uh, if you get a chance, um, Bill Bryson. Um, he's an author. Uh, he just came out with a book called The Body. Right. It's a good one for. Um, I'm pretty sure that 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 was in it. Um, it's a good like overview of like physiology and like, uh, but for like lay audiences. But it does a really good job in terms mm-hmm. of depth. Um, it's just like each chapter is like a certain part of your body, mm-hmm. and it'll just like go over, um, every aspect, not every aspect, but like higher level high-ish level right um concepts and it's, it's really good you read he, he's an awesome author do you read a lot of just like books like that and whatnot uh audiobooks man audiobooks audiobooks yeah right you retain information like crazy like that though i read so many audiobooks <laughs> i read so many audiobooks <laughs> i read yeah, I listen to right. so many audiobooks. i listen to so <laughs> many audiobooks yeah no for real um it's just so easy to do because you can do them all, do it all the time, um, and especially when I'm running an experiment that involves a lot of waiting. Right. I mean, I'm gonna try um, listening to an audio. Like you, you obviously have Audible. Then is that what you're? Yeah, I have Audible. Right. Or you. You don't have to. You can find use, like, them. 
but audible has like you know it's going to be like pretty high quality and and there's like a pretty good review system so like you can just like look at the right i reviewed ones yeah even um, for my my kindle i got a kindle and you can pre you can preview them too like you can preview oh, yeah, that voice right. so like if you're like oh i don't like that voice i'm not gonna listen to this one um but it's really nice especially when it's read by the author mm. um it's really good well i've heard too that sometimes yeah. they put in like their own like like there's things that even if you get the book they don't have in that because it's like they're reading it and then they're just like oh da 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 da, da. they go on like a little bit of a thing you're just like that's a really cool piece of information. yeah they can have like a little like Intro or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's only. I haven't noticed that a lot, but right. Sorry, I was gonna say the biggest change I've kind of made in terms of like the finances and whatnot is just like if it's if it's going to make me more productive or it's gonna help my longevity, then I I always fall through this. So for example, I have like this Kindle, and like I every book I buy is like around ten bucks. And I buy like mm -hmm. I read usually at this rate like maybe a book every three weeks or so, um, and so like I I'm constantly just buying books. And normally before that I'd be like, oh man, it's ten bucks, da 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 da. But it's like, man, some some of these books I'm getting so much value out of, right? And so for Audible and stuff yeah, like that, I would totally I'd have such a less because like I'll go and spend ten bucks on something stupid, right? And like not even think about it. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to like spending money for like something that might be good, that but you kind of don't really want you know it's just like you have such a hard time doing it and so um kind of reinforcing that kind of habit or whatever it's just like okay i want to be a i want to become this person okay well, what would that person do right like that's from that atomic habits book or whatever mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um that i'm still kind of reading and i really actually quite enjoy it um and it's uh yeah and that's just kind of like okay well i'm not going to feel guilty about buying something that's going to improve my long-term self i guess right um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Interesting. I, I might fire Audible back up see if I can do it while I work because that's yeah. I don't know. I have to. I have to kind of work on that skill. Of... It's tough if you. Yeah, I, I don't know if you can do it while like actual actually doing something. Like if you're if you're programming or if you're like actually working, trying to like if if your mind is having to create anything, it doesn't work. Right. Your mind has to be doing something passively, like laundry or cooking or um or driving do you, do or you just find waiting that you get like tired? watching something like like um yeah yeah i'll get like i've i feel like i've gotten better at it right <laughs> um but yeah it it can exhaust you more right. um but that's being that being said like i think that's also because most of the things i'm doing um in addition to listening are things that would kind of tire you just to be sitting there doing nothing anyway Right, fair enough. Um, in the same way, like just like just like sitting on a couch kind of tires you, you know, like like right. You just kind of get into that mindset of not doing anything, so therefore anything else seems like it's more exhausting. Yeah, dude. Well, like after you've been like just like lying in your bed watching TV for three hours, like it's so hard to do anything productive. Mm -hmm. Like so hard. You just like so tired. You're just like a log. You're just like you don't want to do anything. Mm -hmm. Um. And uh, yeah, so it, it just gives you something you can do that's kind of productive. Um, I don't know. I, I've just I found it's made such a huge difference in terms of um, just like always having passive knowledge in your brain, right. um, and and also classic books that I never would have read because they're big and take a long time, and and I'm not super interested. <laughs> but right. they're just like 
have some aspect of um, importance uh, historically or or their narrative is really interesting. Um, it, yeah, it's been especially helpful for getting through big books. Right. And are they usually, the books that you listen to, are they usually mostly nonfiction or do you have fiction books you listen to as well, like for different periods? I do both. Yeah. I, I'll, yeah, I'll generally, I'll try to like switch it up. So I'll have like a, a fiction book and then I'll have like a nonfiction book that's related to what I do. So like, you know, just like neuroscience or addiction or something related to that. And then I'll have one that's nonfiction that's um, something completely different. And when you're doing these um, um, activities, uh, do you find that like you're always listening to the words or, or do you sometimes just kind of concentrate too much on the activity and then you just kind of, like, do you ever find yourself rewinding through the audiobook a bunch or? Sometimes, yeah. I, it, I've gotten really good, especially because um, mindfulness makes you really good at this, um, but I, I'm able to notice when I've phased out mm-hmm. um, much faster than I used to. So it used to be like if I was listening, I might it might go ten minutes and be like, oh shit, where did I lose myself? Right. Um, but that mindfulness practice of just like catching yourself um, daydreaming or whatever, um, I generally will never be more than two minutes before I've realized that I need to skip back. Right. It's actually still kind of crazy that it's that long. Like when you think about it, it's. Oh, I think. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Two minutes. Most of your, of your life. day. Yeah. Most of your day, man, is spent like in complete autopilot. Mm-hmm. Like, especially like when it comes to like just doing your habits in the morning or doing like, like so much of that is just. So I, that's kind of what I've tried to replace that time <laughs> where my mind's right. just wandering um, with some kind of like organized I- I- input, um, just rather than TV. Like, right. I don't really watch TV much. Like, I might watch one episode. Mm-hmm. of something yeah I, I find i'm usually and i'll never watch more than one right whenever i whenever i'm watching like whenever i get the chance to watch tv it's usually like i've not really scheduled it but i'm just like okay this is gonna be the day where i watch like the entire season or whatever and then i'll go like a month without watching tv again yeah or i used to do it like that where i like i'd have to binge through the whole thing because otherwise i'm not gonna be able to do anything <laughs> i'm like no i'm just gonna be thinking about it right like it's probably not a very good uh, mentality for I find that I'm, I'm kind of too mentally weak too like especially if I watch like whenever I have an <laughs> hour to myself like usually my day is pretty packed if I was more efficient I would have more free time right but my days ends mm-hmm. up usually being pretty packed to the point where it's like I have like an hour or an hour and a half before I should go to bed and my I'm too mentally weak where if I watch one episode if it ends really well it can snowball into a thing where you're yeah. five oh, totally. episodes later and now it's one o'clock in the morning and then you have to get up and you just kind of ruin the entire week almost like so yeah it's almost like a point throws off your schedule yeah totally yeah i know that i know that feeling for sure cool well we're pretty much at the uh at the hour i think we're pretty close to wrapping up anything else you wanted to chat about i don't think so uh, oh, actually, here's a something. Um, what do you normally do for breakfast? Are you do you skip breakfast, or what do you eat in the morning? Um, I what do you do in the morning. It so I'm kind of in this period where I am really trying to like figure out my habits and schedules and stuff like that. Um, and right. talking to like my counselors and stuff like that, it's it's kind of unfortunate because I moved like at the point where I was in a pretty good system. Um, so now I have to kind of like relearn. Some things like I can't. I, I, my, mm-hmm. What he was saying was like, okay, you just moved. 
you can't expect to be you can't expect to be in a brand new place right. forming just, a bunch of new habits and well just even doing the exact same ones you can't expect to just pick up where you left off right because certain things change the climate changes oh, the time changes etc yeah. right and so um you right mm-hmm. now what my habits or what my schedule kind of is like my routine is you i get up i shower um and then i will go downstairs make coffee and then um usually make something to eat so i try to eat um usually like first kind of thing in the morning because uh, i find if i don't then i i won't eat until like six o'clock and, mm-hmm. and like it just doesn't really i mean and then I, if i go training and i've only eaten one thing i feel like crap and so i try to get that eat in early so that my body mm-hmm. is hungry at like 12 or something so yeah that's that's basically what i've i've found similar is where like if i don't eat like usually if i have something really early that i have to get to um i don't don't usually eat um and that ends up and then i end up not eating till dinner mm-hmm. um whereas if i don't have something early in the morning i like i still get up early and i'll usually have like a breakfast and that kind of sets your day right. um for being hungry later <laughs> i don't know why but when you eat breakfast you end up being hungry by lunch mm-hmm. definitely um i think it's just something yeah in body that so i I, I just need more i should just i'm just trying to improve my consistency i think i think the um, best but like generally what what would you have uh, usually a couple bagels or some porridge or something. It's usually something pretty okay. easy. I don't like making stuff that is too time involving. Right. Um, but I find the biggest thing because I used to be like that too. I used to um, get up and then if I had the time, I would do something. But the biggest change to that is I just try to get up so early now that nothing could be at that time. So right now I'm getting up at five thirty. Um, in Kelowna, when my schedule is kind of at the time, I would get up at like four, um, and nobody else is up at four. So I had no excuse not to do everything for myself right so if i get up at 5 30 all my clients are sleeping until like nine which is awesome for me because i can get up eat my stuff read my book you know do my journaling whatnot um and then even plan my day and get some work done for myself before i even have to have any kind of obligations like what's even better about that is if i have like an early morning an early morning meeting might be 7 a.m but i've already been up for an hour and a half so it's like I have no excuse not to skip any of that. So that would be my recommendation: is just get up earlier so that there is nothing that you could possibly be late for. Um, right. And and actually, yeah. to add to what happened last week or whatever, I did kind of change my schedule. So I'm at getting seven and a half hours of sleep this weekend. Mm-hmm. I feel pretty pretty good. Um, I I'm finding it difficult to fit all the things that I want to get done in, but I think overall right. it's a healthier um, decision to do that. So we'll try that right. out for the next couple of weeks. Yeah, try that. Yeah, maybe. I'm wondering if there's a maybe a way of just doing like alternating days for certain habits. See, I um, can't do that. Rather than trying to crunch everything into the same day. Yeah, I know that's the problem. Is like if you don't do it every day, it's so hard to keep it. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think yeah, the biggest the biggest um, thing for me is the stuff that I choose to do every day is like the the personal stuff. So like I don't ever want to skip out on doing like my meditation or my reading and my journaling. Right. In I try to, so the big thing my counselor talks about too is um, people get into the habit of having things have to look a certain way. So it's like, for example, if your goal or if you're, you're trying to get into working out and you only perceive working out as going to the gym and lifting weights, if you can't do that, then you're setting yourself up for failure, right? But instead, right. if you're, if you're, if you don't make it look that certain way, well, a workout could just be, okay, I can't go to the gym, but I can go for a walk right i can do something it doesn't have to look like that i could do 10 15 20 30 jumping jacks at home and do a little thing here 
if you lock yourself into a specific thing that you have to do, if you don't do that one day, you're just going to subconsciously feel like you didn't complete it. Right. And that when, when he told me that, I was like, man, that's a really interesting thing because my goals are, yes, I want to work out, which to me at the time was like, Hey, I want to get to the gym and I want to go training. Um, Mm -hmm. but I've pretty much just kind of said, okay, I'm, I'm going to feel happy if I can do both, but I'm not going to feel less happy if I can only do one of the two. Right. Or if I can't do both for whatever reason, the time just doesn't work out. I'm just going to go for a walk. And mm-hmm. because my goal is to just get exercise or do a workout that's not locked into a specific thing, I don't feel like I'm, I don't get to that point where it's like, okay, like if you don't do a habit for three days, you're not going to do it anymore. Right. So I find that to be a huge mm-hmm. um, change in my, my psyche in terms of just like getting out of that. Everything has to look a specific way. Um, and that was a huge um, kind of thing that I learned just kind of over the past couple of months. Yeah, or, or even like the amount of time it takes too, right? Um, like I've always had, you know, I've always slotted my runs as being like 30 minutes, but like some days I just don't, I can't Yeah, do if that. you can only do 15, um, you shouldn't feel whereas, worse. Or even five. Like yeah. you can exhaust yourself in five minutes. I mean, I'm not really training for an endurance thing. So, mm-hmm. you know, like I, I can do just like sprint for five minutes and I'll be hella tired. Um, and just like just doing that is enough to fulfill your day's obligation, you know. Yeah, exactly. Um, it doesn't have to be a specific. Thing. As long as it's every day. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which I think also goes back into that kind yeah, of yeah. habit. You try to apply that to more. Right, like that whole mm-hmm. the whole thing of setting a goal. Okay, if your goal is to go and lift two hundred pounds every single day, well, if you if if instead of your habit is okay, I want to be a healthier person, like your like what would a healthier person do okay or what would like an athlete do or what would what would somebody who wants to have this kind of goal eventually be it's like okay well maybe they can't lift 200 200 pounds a day right but the biggest thing to me has just been like i don't i shouldn't beat myself up because i can't do exactly what i want instead i'm just going to pull myself back and just like you said i'm going to sprint for five minutes say okay my, my goal is to get more exercise and be healthy it's not um, like you said you're not mm-hmm. training to do a marathon marathon right? yeah yeah cool cool well um yeah i think everybody should listen to audiobooks i'm gonna try that and uh i guess we'll see you next week hopefully Um, sounds good to me i actually hold on one second here next week i will be in Kelowna. i actually don't know if i'm going to be around for this or not um so we'll keep you posted and uh if not we'll see you not next week but the week after thanks everybody excellent for listening Bye. Bye.